2017. When you woke up this morning, let me tell you this, let me tell you this, by your presence here, you made the right decision, okay? You are with God's people in God's house on God's day, which immediately tells me, hey, some of the decisions that you're making has God in mind, and I commend you for that. Um, we look forward to an amazing year together. Um, let, me, let me pause. There's so many things going through my heart and my mind right now. Uh, let, me, let me begin. Let me just express my gratitude um, to you as a church family, as a body of believers. I have the privilege. Our job is the same, okay? We all live to give God the glory. But I, I have, I think I have just a great seat to watch it all happen. Uh, through Big Woods. I have the privilege of what I call running point in our community, um, and we were able to minister this week to the Coleman family as we have been praying for dear Amanda, uh, little Leah, and, and Ben with the homegoing of Mike. Uh, let me express as your pastor how proud I am of each one of you for serving the way that you have served. Uh, literally hundreds and hundreds of people came through here Thursday night and freezing cold and guys were outside directing traffic thank you for that you gave up your own seats for others there was a call that went out on Thursday afternoon that we needed to provide desserts for the family uh, in less than 24 hours the entire the entire kitchen counter was filled um, with desserts it says in God's word that we're to offer a cup of cold water I, I was thinking hey you could offer a cup of a, a slice of apple pie uh, to those who are in need. I just love, I love you guys, and, and I want to thank you for uh, allowing my ministry um, here to be connected with yours, and it is all for God's glory. I don't want to name names of people who are serving because I'll forget, uh, but just, just, just thank you so much from my heart. Please continue to lift up Amanda, obviously, and the rest of the Coleman family as they mourn the loss of of Mike. Little different this morning. Generally, I have a job description on Sunday mornings where I preach um, two 30-minute, there's supposed to be 30-minute messages, but I only have to preach one message this morning. So I was talking to the guys on Friday at prayer. I'm like, hey, what if I just preach one 60-minute message instead of two 30? And, and they didn't really go for that. But we are going to squeeze in. We're going to maximize as much as we can this morning. Just because I think this, we, we, as we kind of turn the corner, 2016 into 17, the, the door shuts behind us to 16. It opens in front of us for 17. It's really important that we accomplish all that can be accomplished. So before I get into 1 John, and we'll be looking at 1 John chapter 2 in a couple, couple minutes, I wanted to read, uh, if I could, it's excerpts or portions from my pastoral report earlier. Um, but to bring everyone up to speed, so what, what I call the, the year in review of, of 2016 or the state of the church, call it whatever you want to call it. I'm going to kind of hug close to this. It'll take four or five minutes to get through, but really important updates, summary statements as far as where we are at as a church. I think it's very important for every single one of us to know where we're at so that we also know where we are going. So I'm going to read uh, a brief report to you just for accuracy. I'll stay Stay close to the text. Here we go. Uh, this past year has been a year of great blessing. 
as we continue to strive forward to accomplish the vision that God has called, given to us at Big Woods to build relationships so that God is glorified and lives are transformed through the gospel of Jesus. I absolutely delight in reporting that several people this past year have committed their lives to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in salvation. There have also been this past year three baptisms in April, June, and September with 12 people that were baptized. And there's also one scheduled for next Sunday. Uh, we had two four-week membership classes with 25 people who have committed to church membership. And I praise God that lives are being transformed. Together as a church, we need to continue to carefully and prayerfully build relationships with the many that are in need of the gospel that surround us in our community every single day. Another big blessing this year has been the hiring of additional pastoral staff that have helped to greatly solidify the organizational as well as spiritual infrastructure that is needed as we continue to move forward for the gospel in Lock Haven. Uh, this time last year, I was the only full-time pastor on staff and what an answer to prayer to see God lead Pastor Josh Hamilton, his wife Krista, and their family from Florida to Pennsylvania to assist us with the many areas of administrative leadership as well as communication. Also, it has been a joy to have our very own Aaron Badorf, our campus pastor, the last four years come on staff as our full-time associate pastor of discipleship helping lead our New Life Campus ministry, our home group ministries, as well as develop adult leadership training through Sunday school classes and coordinate many one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationships. What a great celebration it was for Big Woods to call its first ordination council ever to proceed over the ordination of Aaron this past June. Both Pastor Aaron and his wife, Brianna, have been a blessing to many on campus at LHU, as well as to many at Big Woods. In addition, after a lengthy youth pastor search, we reached out to our own Stuart Redkay, who has been filling in and leading our youth, offering him a part-time interim position, and both Pastor Stuart and his brand-new bride, Cheyenne, continue to be a huge blessing to our youth ministry as we see continual growth at Navigate. Uh, this past September, we launched another year of home groups. Presently, we have 11 groups that are meeting throughout Lock Haven to study the book of Genesis, to pray regularly, to build relationships, and perhaps most importantly, offer a safe place to each person who has committed to be part of this important ministry so that they can be constantly cared for, loved, and shepherded each week by wonderful and committed group of home group leaders. This past year, perhaps more than anything else, I am grateful that the Lord has continued to allow me the privilege to preach from His Word every week. Since January of 2016, we've been in an expositional series called Marked for a Mission, how the Gospel of Mark teaches us to love God and love people, as well as a mini summer series on Romans chapter 12 entitled, All In, Learning to Joyfully Give God Everything. 
after more than 20 years of preaching, I feel more inadequate than ever and constantly reliant upon the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to change lives. And I remain ever amazed at the promise that His Word will never return void, and I am thankful to regularly witness the true power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A brief and a broad financial update that was given to me just this past week, and we rejoice that we have met our 2016 budget, and we are very thankful for that. As of our latest business meeting, as a church, after fervent prayer, we officially decided to raise our operating budget by 11% for 2017. And in order to achieve our next milestone, it would be 15%, which includes all full-time pastoral staff positions, which are presently being subsidized. We are praying that God will continue to provide for us as we seek to be wise stewards of all that comes into the storehouse for His glory and for the work of the gospel. This past year, uh, we closed the building portion of the campaign, uh, which was launched in March 2015 and then concluded in June of 2016. Uh, by way of an announcement, and this is news for us uh, this day, uh, we officially closed the campaign at $786,000. 960, $969.26. However, since June, allowing the doors to continue to stay open towards that $1 million goal, as of this past week, I was given word that we have reached by God's grace and surpassed that $1 million goal, which presently stands at $1 $3,090.27. To God be the glory. <laughs> this past week, I was given word that demolition and renovation will be starting after January the 1st, which is today. So some point after January 1st, which is today. And God is good. Let me tell you, although we look forward to being together, to worship in one service, so you look uh, forward to more classrooms and more bathrooms and more parking spaces, let me tell you this, regardless of our location, ministry will move forward at Big Woods Bible Church for the glory of God and for the glory of God alone. My little report that I need to just offer to you. Um, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take them and turn with me to the book of First John in chapter 2. As we examine a very, very important subject on the commencement of another new year. But first and foremost, we need to pray. I need to pray. And just thank the Lord and pray for his guidance together in his word. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not 
unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. We thank you for every single person that has made a decision to come into your house on your day to worship with your people. We thank you, Lord, that we are called your children. We can call you our Father. We thank you, Lord, for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that exists. Lord, 2016 was a difficult year for many. It was a hard year. We were amazed by your blessing and your grace. But there were still challenges, no doubt. And, and I don't know, Lord, if 2017 is going to be any easier for any of us. But I thank you, Lord, that it promises that you will never leave us and you'll never forsake us. I thank you, Lord, that not only do you offer your word to guide and be a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path, but your spirit, you are present with us, that you indwell us and empower us and equip us. We're to produce fruit that is beyond what we can do in and of ourselves. Father, I thank you for the testimony at, at Big Woods even this past week that I, I just witnessed so many people serving, and it had nothing to do about them. It had to do about just loving you and loving others, and thank you for that. Father, I would ask right now that as we do, and there's a moment, I think, of necessary introspection. We just kind of pause and we breathe deep. All the, all the movement. May we just be still. And know that you are God. Father, we open now our hearts to you to speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that eyes would see clearly and ears would hear clearly. As, as, as we are desperately relying upon instruction, like, how, how do we do this, God? How do we do this? We give our lives to you and, and we rest and we have confidence in you, but we need daily strength. Speak to us now. Lord, please, please, please equip me, guard my mind, my mouth. May people uh, be focused on you. We love you, we love you, we thank you for graciously and patiently loving us. Bless us now. We ask this in the strong and powerful name of our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. <clears throat> Um, I entitled our message this morning, A Time to Test Our Stand. There's an awkwardness to that phrase, I understand, because we immediately think of this kind of age-old adage or an idiom that many of us perhaps have used in the past, kind of to determine whether or not something is successful or, or, or not. And we use this phrase all the time. We hear this phrase, we wonder if it's going to stand the test of time. We hear this idiom all the time. Is this going to stand the test of time or not? It speaks about the fact that over a period of time, a long period of time, usually a prolonged period of time, that truth is going to be revealed. So whatever is being measured or tested is either going to stand firm or fall flat over a period of time. It's either going to succeed or fail. Regardless of the outcome, after this period of time is designated let's 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 see yeah we know ultimately the result is going to be known it's going to be manifested 
to everyone. Everyone will know whether or not this, this, this thing that we're testing, if it's going to stand or not. So today, let's, let's take January 1, 2017. I propose that we take a very close look at our own lives. And we also take a very close look at the church by which God has called and chosen us to be a part of. And rather than just taking a, hmm, let's, let's wait and see attitude. Like, that's the easy thing, I think. Let's just kind of, let's wait to see. We'd probably even choose to just let it go and wait and see. Let, let, let's stop wondering if our lives are going to stand the test of time. And therefore, I, I propose that we kind of reverse this. We kind of flip it around and through the authority of God's word, I propose what? That it is time, this moment, to test our stand. Does that make sense now? It's not as clunky for you, hopefully. It's time. We, we, it's, it's this moment, this hour as it strikes. To test our stand. I've been raised. I've been raised on the mantra, and you've all heard it before. If you do not stand for something... You, uh, you will fall for anything. Well, let, let me remind you this first and foremost. Right out of the gate, 2017, I stand for something. Okay? We together stand for something. We stand on something. We stand on the immovable, rock-solid, rock-solid foundation of the Word of God and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ that was accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. We stand on what is referred to as the gospel. We stand on gospel living. We stand on godly living. We stand on holy living. This gospel that is what? It is soul capturing. Which means it's not some of you. Okay? It, that's not gospel. It's so, it captures all of you. It is spirit igniting. You flame you ignite through the work of the Holy Spirit as he moves in your life. It is Christ exalting. It is world changing. That's the gospel that we stand on. So we open up our Bibles this morning to the, the, the book of 1 John. It's not really a place that probably you spend a lot of time on. Let, let me tell you this. 1 John, the book of 1 John, is a gift. I mean, it is, it is literally... Okay, you, you saw those gifts that were under your tree, and you know the ones that were just wrapped up so beautifully with a little bow on top? The book of 1 John is a gift that is given to us, and it is wrapped beautifully, and there's a little bow on it. It, it, is, it, it, is, it is a perfect word and reminder for where we are right now as we, as we start another year. Summarized in 1 John chapter 5, the very last chapter, John writes this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the delight of this book, that you will know for certain. As a matter of fact, that, that word K-N-O-W that you may know is used 27 times throughout these, these, these few chapters, these few five chapters of 1 John that you may know him, that you may know the Father, that you may know the truth, that you may know that he is righteous, that you may know love, that you may know the spirit of truth, 
that you may know you have eternal life, that you may know we abide in him, that we know that we love the children of God. This, this book is offered to us like as a gift that you understand what we have here. We need to be reminded of that. 1 John chapter 2, I, I want to read, I, I, had, I had set verses 3 through 6 to read, and I want to back it up, just gain a little bit more kind of envelop in the context, beginning in verse 1 of 1 John chapter 2. Excuse me. <clears throat> My little children. I love that as a father, in a sense, in a sense, kind of draws his children close by. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we may know that we have come to know him. Here it is, conditional, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I love this text. I love this book. Now, the Apostle John is the author here. He is one, obviously, that, that walked very closely with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He talked frequently to him. He learned much. He knew well Jesus. And although it's very, very clear, if you were to take time to read the whole book, that John writes with a style that is, is far less polished than in Apostle Paul. He is certainly less detailed than a Luke when he writes. And at times it almost seems like that fisherman kind of status comes through. He, so, he, he kind of jumps at times from subject to subject or topic to topic. And he moves rapidly. Like, what are you going? Where are you going, John? He truly writes as what I call Bonerges. He writes as one of the sons of thunder. There's something that is forceful and powerful. And there's a central theme that is very constant and it's perfect for where we are at right, right now, January the 1st, 2017. John calls his readers, and the Holy Spirit, I believe this morning, calls you and I back to the basics of the Christian life. True doctrine, obedient living, and fervent devotion. We need to examine our lives right now. In these few verses, he offers two tests of Christianity. I'm going to give them to you very, very quickly so that I can kind of get on to the where I need to go, okay? We're patient. Two tests of Christianity by the formula. What? By this you will know. The first test is what I call, the first is a test of moral obedience. There's two tests. The first one is, is one of moral obedience, or what I call examining to see if we have a love for God in our own hearts. It says this, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That you, You'll be certain. There's not a sense of like, do I or do I not? Or is God really, am, am I truly? It's not like that. 
be assured of this. Know that, that your salvation as a, as a proclaimed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is secure. He's not going anywhere. And a result of that is that you will live a transformed life or a changed life from what you used to live. It will happen that you will have a desire inside of you to keep the Lord's commandments. And so, so the idea, first and foremost, is this, is testing our obedience to God. When God gives instruction in his word. How do you receive that? Like, yeah, I just, this doesn't sound very fun. How are you doing? Do you realize this, that we show our love for God by striving to obey God? Even on the mission statement that we have, what, all over our church, love God, love people, love God, love people. Let's start with love God. The way that we show our love for God is to obey Him. Now, that obedience is not, is not, make it very, very clear, to earn justification, okay? Obedience does not bring salvation. Salvation is what? By faith alone. But obedience as a pattern of life does give clear evidence that one is born again. And so we begin this morning by asking the question, how, how, how are you doing here? How are you doing on this idea, generally, of obeying God? You realize that the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, is not some kind of a mystical experience, not something kind of flittering around there. It's certainly not an intellectual grasp or, or a vision that you get of the divine. It's, it's, it's obedience and God's command, what? To believe in Jesus as the Son of God and love Him as you love others. The, the image that comes to mind is that of a marriage relationship. Any one of you who has been married longer than one day realize that what? You're not always going to have like those little butterfly feelings. It's not going to be there all the time. You're not going to feel very loving, but what? It's a marriage relationship that is a commitment to love. I commit to be faithful to you regardless. That's the idea. Which brings us what? There's, there's a test of moral obedience, but there's a second test of what I call relational significance. We see this in verse 5, and it speaks about a love for other people. Again, examining the mission that God has called and placed for us as a church. Relational significance, that we build relationships, we love other people with a purpose. That it says, truly the love of God is perfected. Well, how is that perfected? Jump down with me a few verses to um, um, uh, verse 10 and verse 11. Down just a couple verses. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Realize what, what is happening here. If believers, okay, are keeping God's word, the love of God is being perfected in their lives, automatically it's going to come out. It's going to be made known. It's going to be manifested in a genuine what? Love, care, genuine concern for other people. Hey, how are you doing on that, like, measuring stick? Like, a genuine concern for others. Like, you ache when they ache. 
you, you rejoice when they rejoice. You weep when, when they weep. How are you doing there? So just as we ask first and foremost, are you showing your love for God by obeying him? We could also ask what? Are you showing obedience to God by loving others? And, and it comes full circle here for us. And this is, this is all the way through Scripture. John captured this. He referred to himself as what? The disciple whom Jesus loved. He writes this in the Gospel of John in chapter 13. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So not only as we, what, walk through the door of a new year and we examine our love for God by being obedient. We examine our obedience to God by looking at the degree of love and care and concern that we have for others. What I've done here over the next few minutes is I've created a little bit, and, and, I, and checklists are frightening and terrifying, okay, because we have this idea that if we check the box, we're good to go. So what, what I've done is I've, I've, I want you to ask yourself some questions as we examine the past 12 months, individually and corporately as a body. I've worded the questions in such a way that there's, there's only one way to answer. It is a yes or a no answer. There's no multiple choice on this, okay? There's not an essay question like that you'll be able to submit. I'm sure I will get emails on this. I guarantee you I will get emails on this. There's not a true-false here. There's not a popular opinion like, hmm, I wonder how they'll answer, and then I'll answer how that person next to me is. No, no, no. It's yes or no. Ten questions. And I know that, what time? Oh, my goodness gracious. Number one, here we go. Number one, you ask yourself, have I prayed continually? It's a yes, no response. What does it mean by that? Constantly, it says that we are to pray without ceasing. Our first response, not before you collapse on the pillow at night and, and close your eyes, Oh, no. And we, we utter this last gasp of, God, we love you. Thank you. No, 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 no. The first thing in the morning, throughout the day, you're, you're praying as you are driving. You're praying as you're walking into a meeting. You're, you're praying that, that as you come into the door at night, God, guard my words. Guard my eyes. Uh, Jesus says that we are to watch and pray. Jesus says that men ought always to pray. James writes that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We have to pause and we have to examine more than anything else. How's our prayer life? How's your prayer life? Now, if your answer in the negative question, have I prayed continually? No, I haven't. Well, then mark that. Note that we need to begin that. You need to begin that. Question number two, have I studied passionately? Yes or no? Obviously, I'm not referring to your geography textbook. That's important, but I'm talking about the only word that lives and endures forever. Look around. Everything, everything will disappear except the souls of mankind. The word of God lives and endures forever. I, I referred to, I was reading an article last night, a book last night on Bible intake. We, we offer it to you a little tool, okay, every single day. Read, read, read a small portion. Uh, Gilbert's book that, that um, Aaron commended to you, Greg Gilbert's book on why we trust the Bible, dig into that and study passionately. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing 
the word of truth. The Bereans were commended. They referred to as being more noble than other churches because they received the word with readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily. Apollos was mighty in scriptures. David wrote, oh, how I love thy word. I meditate in it day and night. Have I prayed continually? Have I studied passionately? Yes, no. Number three, have I witnessed faithfully this past year? At 12 months, 365 days, um, we, we asked the question, I'm, I'm sorry, why are we here? Why do we exist? Whatever you do, you do it for God's glory. There is no better way, there's no greater way to glorify God than to tell of God's greatness. Understand what? That Jesus stood atop that mountain before his ascension into heaven, and he says what? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be witnesses. You will, be, you, you will do this. Have, have, you, have you been a witness for Jesus Christ this past year? Have you shared your faith? Have you told your story to someone, somebody at work, somebody you ride the bus with? In your classroom, have, have, have you talked about that? Have you spoke truth in Jesus' name, even knowing that somebody's going to mock you or make fun of you? Have you watered the seed a little bit? Have you led another soul to Jesus Christ? Well, this is like really, really hard. You bet it's hard. You will be witnesses, but before Jesus said you'll be witnesses, what? You shall receive power. What? <laughs> The Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. The Spirit will enable you and equip you to be a witness. Our marching orders, our mandates. Matthew chapter 28, go and you tell people and make disciples. Teach them to obey all things that I've commanded. Number four, have I fasted regularly? Now we're getting a little bit kind of like personal here. We don't like to touch this. It's private. It's just this is you. This is for you. You can answer this. This is a yes or a no response. To fast is what? It's deliberately choosing or setting aside a set period of time, maybe half a day, a day, um, one week, where you willingly choose to abstain from something. Usually, we choose to abstain from food because it's like it's, it's what we, we desperately need. We need. You can, you can fast from a number of different things. Jesus taught about the importance of what? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, when you fast, it's to be expected. It's not something foreign. The, the earth does not have to be like about to implode and then, oh, let's fast about this. No. Paul and Barnabas, it says that they fasted and prayed in Acts chapter 13. Is this a part of your personal disciplines? It needs to be. Question number five, have I given cheerfully? Have I offered cheerfully? We're instructed, we're, we're taught what? As a church, you bring a tenth. You bring a portion of your income. You take off the very top, the first fruits, and you bring it into the storehouse. What an absolute delight to see faithful givers. My concern is, is that many of you are missing out on the blessing giving to God because you're trying to hold it and hoard it here on this earth. Such an important responsibility. The Old Testament is so strong that it says if, if you're not giving back that you're actually stealing from God that which is rightfully his. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And so it's also not just the amount that you give sacrificially so that you feel it, but it's how you give it. I delight in this. I can't, I can't get rid of this fast enough. 
look at this idea as well. I studied this word give in varying forms of it, giving and gave and to offer or to sacrifice. And it's not just talking about money. Certainly not. There are so many other things that we can and should be giving. We give our ears to listen, our heart to love, our mind to obey, our bodies to serve, our voice to praise. I love what Jesus says as well, that you give and it will be given. Some people I talk to are so miserable. They're just, they're just so sad. They're just so down all the time. And as I listen to them, the focus is all on them. There's a delight to look at other people and offer to other people. And there's something joyous that comes when we give. Number six, have I thanked willingly? Have the spirits, what I call an attitude of gratitude. Great bits and pieces of instruction for righteous living. First Chronicles, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. First Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, don't stop, cease not to give thanks. Just always, it's oozing out of us. First Thessalonians chapter 15, verse 58, in everything give thanks. Yeah, but I had a really miserable day. Well, give thanks to God that you're still alive at the end of that miserable day. It's the breath in our lungs. It's one more beat of the heart that is all God's grace upon grace that is given to us. Number seven, have I worshipped sincerely? Such a key part. I think a key part of this is worshiping together. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together like you make efforts. I tell people membership classes. I tell people all the time, new believers, what should I do? Just show up. That's nine-tenths of it right there. Just show up. But then as we worship, what, what is worship? It is our response to God's goodness and grace. We have to respond in some way. Well, what is that? Oftentimes, it's lifting up our voices. I have a horrible singing voice, and I love to sing, but it doesn't stop me from singing. I just feel bad for my dear wife and all those around me. But I love to sing, and I'll, I'll be driving, and I'm, I'm, I've, I have one hand here. I do. And I will just be worshiping as I, as I listen to music. And I delight in that. And we worship through the beauty of creation. You go for a walk, a hike, and you worship and, and you revel in God's glory that is revealed to us. Sometimes we, we kind of stymie it or stifle it, like it has to happen right here. And it has to happen like this. And, and you better not do this. God, it says that you are to worship. God is a spirit. We are to worship him in spirit and in truth. Period. It's not drawing attention to yourself. If God so delights to move for you to raise a hand, do not do that to show to someone else. You do that in response. If God calls you to close your eyes or to bow your head, you do that. We don't do it in a spirit of confusion. God's not the author of confusion. We do this for his glory. Have I worshipped sincerely? Yes or no? Number eight, have I loved unconditionally? And this is where the rubber meets the road because it's easier at times to love God than it is to love the one whom God has placed next to us. 
Have I loved unconditionally? Nowhere is this summarized better than in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we understand this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, I have gifts, I have knowledge, I have faith, I have all of these amazing things, and many of you have many wonderful things. But in our flesh, we can lack of love. And Paul writes what? If you lack charity, if you lack love, then what? Listen to these words. Then I am nothing. That's a pretty strong rebuke. Have I graciously, and l l let me tell you, it's going to take, okay, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the means to love this person. And let me tell you, he will give you the ability to do just that. Number nine, have I submitted completely, surrendered Submit it, what? Uh, the, the word kind of seems to have a negative connotation today. If you submit, if you give up, if you surrender, it's, it's weakness, okay? You, you lose somehow. No, no, no. It is part of what it means to follow Christ, to submit to his authority, to recognize. It says in James chapter 4, submit yourselves, therefore, to God before we resist the devil. Okay? We have to understand who he is and the battle that he has called us to and that there is victory in our surrender and our submission to God. Matthew chapter 16, Christ says, deny yourself. That's, that's surrender. That's submission. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Tozer says this, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't come to the end of themselves. So important. He says, we're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. Have I submitted completely? And, and number 10, finally, have I lived purely? We, 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 we pursue holiness. I'll conclude simply by reminding us that Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he desires, he longs that they're a holy church, a pure church. And so we have to examine our own lives to see where those little pockets of sin that we leave tucked corners we just don't want to go there something dark in the closet that we're ashamed of we kind of put it under the carpet you can only put so much stuff under the carpet and it begins to show itself you only jam so much garbage in the garbage can and you put the lid on and pretend and then eventually it's just going to start to smell so we have to examine okay to know that that, that, that we are as a local church to be presented as a pure bride. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, a pure bride, not one who has prostituted themselves with the things of this world. I know that's a long day, a long morning, a long list, but I think it is so important for us as we are what? As we are literally breathing the air of a brand new year. We examine our hearts to see where and what it is that God wants to make changes in our life. Father, we love you. We thank you for your patience in loving us. May you give to us the strength to be obedient to your word. In your name we pray. Stand with us as we close, please.